Thank you, and good evening, everybody. It's really good to be here being blinded and not being able to see you. I'm kidding. That's the way the six rolls. It's all good. It's really good to be here tonight. So we are continuing our sermon series on the names of God to understand who God is and who we are in him. And tonight we get to Yahweh Mekadishkim. I'm exp- no, I'm not expecting a whoop every time I say that, but I mean, look at it. It's in there. It's twice in there. It's tiny. I feel I've been blessed with the hardest name tonight, the longest one of all. Now, I'm a Fitbit wearer. Anybody else tracking every step that they take? Yes, good, good, good. Uh, so this week, uh, five years I've been wearing one, and um, I've acquired 41 badges. Does anybody else know how many badges they've acquired? There's loads of them. Who knew? And this week, I got the astronaut badge because I have, thank you, I have climbed 28,000 steps, uh, stairs. Boom. Um, I like Kevin the Minion. That's quite a nice badge. That's 22,000 steps or more. I've had that a few times. Urban Boot. Urban Boot, you get that one quite a few times. That's at 20,000 steps. I think I've had that one 672 times, I'm not counting, uh, in five years. You know it's a bad day if you don't get the sneaker badge, okay? Because the sneaker badge is 5,000 steps. So I've had a very lazy day if I don't get my sneaker badge. Uh, One of the other ones I quite like is Hawaii, okay? I've got the Hawaii badge. This is for 563 lifetime kilometers. Though sadly, does not involve a trip to Hawaii. I do wonder, how did I survive before I had all this trivia on my wrist? It's, it's quite remarkable. Anyway, tonight, congratulations, I'm giving you all a badge. So congratulations, you have all just earned your Leviticus badge. Now, why is that? Well, I think there's a couple of reasons. Probably because I doubt you've had many sermons on Leviticus. And I'm not going to lie, I've certainly not preached one before. So I think we all deserved our Leviticus badge. Because we heard our passage just then, five verses only from Leviticus. There are 859 of them. We've got five, uh, and they're absolute gems from within the third book of the Bible. We've only got a brief snippet here, but there is a thread that runs all the way through Leviticus, and that is holiness. Holiness, or holy, appears 90 times in Leviticus, and we had it twice there in just five verses. So it may be small, this little passage, but it's perfectly formed tonight and wonderfully rich. God is holy. What does holy mean? Well, holy means set apart and unique. And God is unique because he's the creator of all. He's the author of life. And the presence around God is holy. So if God's people want to dwell in his presence, then they need to be made holy too. And in our passage we read, I am the Lord who makes you holy. Yahweh Mekodishkem. Now Mekodishkem derives from a Hebrew word which is kadash, which means sanctify or holy. And sanctification obviously sounds a bit like saint. Now, if something is sanctified, it's set apart for special use. 
And if someone is sanctified, they're set apart for a special relationship or a special purpose. So Yahweh Mekadishkin means, I am the Lord who sets you apart. Now, two books previously, the beginning of the Bible, we're in Genesis. We're in a very sanctified, holy place, the Garden of Eden, with two sanctified people, Adam and Eve, dwelling in God's presence. But it rapidly went downhill from there as the Israelites continuously sinned and rebelled and damaged their relationship with God. So Leviticus explores how God provided a way for his people to live in his presence again by sanctifying them, setting them apart. Now in the Old Testament, sanctification was all about sacrifices, it was about rituals, um, it was about purity, and it was also about the priests being mediators between God and the people. And all of these sort of things were repeated. Every time it went pear-shaped, there were more sacrifices and more rituals, and the people were sanctified, and then it went pear-shaped again. Uh, And this was a sort of a striving to be in God's presence. But what about us now? How are we sanctified? What does it mean to be set apart? Well, a couple of things came to mind for me as I was thinking about something or someone set apart. I'm going to introduce you to um, my gravy boat. This is my gravy boat. Feel the quality. 27 years old. Has lived in five houses with me. I've taken the dust off it because it's our best set. This is special, right? This is set apart. This will be on the table on Christmas Day with gravy in it. And you're either going to be excited or freaked to know that that's only 49 sleeps away. I know, you see? But, but this doesn't have gravy in it at any other time of the year. Don't be ridiculous. It's far too special for that. This has gravy in it at other times of the year, or custard, or something else. This is the other one, right? You know, this is the one we actually use. That, but that one, oh, that's special. That, that's set apart. Um, we used to have, uh, the, in our last house, the lounge was known as the tidy room. I've got two out of three children in the house, in the church, you're going to be so embarrassed. The tidy room was like kids-free zone, okay? So it was that place you went for peace and quiet, and you were free from the risk of harm of standing on Lego, which we've all done, and it hurts. So Nick and I would go into the lounge and we'd chill, right? But because it's the tidy room, no plastic fantastic allowed in there, no kids generally allowed in there, that means we get to use this room, what, about an hour a night? Something like that. Now I think about it, how bonkers was that? So it wasn't really set apart, but it was a bit set away. And earlier, we started to think about what does it mean to be special, perhaps, or feeling a bit left out? And interesting, radio silence on feeling left out. Um, And we can feel left out in various situations. It's just got that image there of, you don't even have to be left out by not being with people, but it's kind of like the things that you're reading that you're not part of. There's different ways of feeling excluded, even if you're with people as well. So being set apart can be positive and negative. Feeling separate can be good or bad for different reasons. 
And how God sanctifies us and sets us apart is kind of similar and different to both of those sort of things. Because he wants us to be in a special relationship with him and dwell in his presence, but not just on special occasions. He wants us to be distinctive daily disciples, living in the same world, but not in the same way. But he doesn't want us to be isolated from others. So what do we learn today from these five verses in Leviticus about setting, being set apart? Well, firstly, it tells us that we are set apart with God. We're in a dynamic relationship with him and that sanctification, being made holy, is both a position and a process. I've got that picture up there for the kind of process of being sanctified, washed clean, but the potter's wheel being made, it's something that's ongoing, we're being shaped. So if we look at verses 7 and 8 again, they say this. This might be a slightly different translation to the one in front of you. So set yourselves apart to be holy, for I am the Lord your God. Keep all my decrees by putting them into practice, for I am the Lord who makes you holy. Be holy. I am the Lord. I am the Lord who makes you holy. Can you see there that there's a relationship there? God is holy and makes us holy. But we are called to be holy because he is holy. So there's this position of holiness that's given to us and there's a continual process towards holiness in partnership with the Lord. So in the context of Leviticus, God had set the Israels apart as a treasured possession, this position of holiness, but time and time again they messed up. Time and time again, God forgave them and restored them through those sacrifices, etc. But this passage, Leviticus and the whole of the Old Testament point us towards Jesus. Because in Jesus, we have been made holy once and for all. Jesus was the sacrificial lamb. Jesus is the great high priest. And by the Spirit mediating for us, we have our prayers continually lifted up to God and we are surrounded by his presence. It's in Jesus that we are made holy and set apart. And it's through Jesus that our sins are being forgiven. Now, being holy doesn't mean being sinless. And quite frankly, thank goodness, because that would be impossible, wouldn't it? But it does mean being set apart to live lives that worship and honour God. So we're set apart to be in relationship with God through Christ's sacrifice on the cross. We've been made holy once and for all, even though we continue to sin. No further sacrifice is needed. But did you notice the verse in the middle of verses 7 and 8 there? There's a clue to how else we are set apart. Because twice in our passage, we are called to keep God's decrees by, set apart by, putting them into practice. We see it twice. We see it in verse 8. If you have a look there, keep all my decrees. And we see it again in verse 22. You must keep all my decrees. And both of them by putting it into practice. 
So can you see that there's a call to obedience and action? There's a call to live lives consistent with God's teaching. Yahweh Mekadishkam is the Lord who sanctifies us and our response is to live sanctified lives guided by the word of God. James, in his epistle, describes it a bit like this. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard then God will bless you for doing it. Has anybody ever forgotten what they look like? I think we've had... (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think we've had those moments. Have you had that sort of spinach in your teeth, gravy down your chin? Uh, Those sort of moments where we don't realise there's something different. But generally, we don't forget what we look like. We're often not generally surprised when we look in the mirror. And yet forgetting to act in accordance with God's teaching is something that happens fairly easily. I love that advice from James up there. Look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free. I mean, that just means spending time in our Bibles, dwelling in God's word, thinking about how it should shape our lives and transform us. I'll do another shameless plug. If you don't dwell on God's word every day, here is the best place to start. It's a really simple app. I've put the little icon up so you can find it on the app store. Lectio 365. It's about 10 minutes at the beginning of the day. It's five minutes at the end of the day. It's a really incredible and simple but powerful way to be in God's presence, explore his word, and think about what it means. I recommend it, and I know many others do. So we're set apart with Yahweh Mekadishkim. We're set apart by his teaching and putting it into practice. And thirdly, this passage tells us what we are to be set apart from. Because verse 23 tells us not to live according to the customs of the people, but to be set apart from them. Because to be set apart for God requires us to live differently so that the love of Christ is what people see in us. It's kind of that mirror that James is talking about, but saying the mirror should be reflecting God in all that we say or do and not ignoring him. And to do that does take purpose and action on our part. I also think it takes each other, our Christian fellowship that we have, For me, um, I'm in a small group. Quite a few of my small group are here tonight. And I am so blessed and privileged to be in that small fellowship where we have honest, authentic friendships, where people know my life and I can come there and have prayer about those everyday things that I find challenging. And I'm sure our young people feel blessed uh, for the same reasons by being part of PF and YF. I read this great quote this week. You do not live in the world and go to church. You live in the church and go to the world. We go out into the world as the body of Christ. 
And in God's provision, we have the power of the Spirit at work in our lives too, enabling us to do those things that God desires. Paul, in his letters to the Romans, describes it as this, as not conforming to the patterns of the world, but being transformed by the renewing of our minds. And that is where scripture and prayer and fellowship are essentially our core tools for holy, set-apart living, empowered by the Holy Spirit. The final verses of our passage actually point us forwards. What are we set apart for? Because verse 24 talks about the Israelites receiving an inheritance. Now for them, that was the promised land, milk and honey, etc. But we are set apart for an inheritance of eternal life with God, dwelling with him in his holy presence for eternity. And as we wait and look forward for that day, we're set apart to reflect Christ in the world now to be distinctive daily disciples so that others may come to know him, to be sanctified themselves and receive that same inheritance. Yahweh, Mekadishkim, the Lord who sanctifies us, who sets us apart with him in relationship, calls us to keep growing that relationship with him and with each other through scripture and prayer and fellowship and empowers us to keep being transformed by his spirit so that we can live out sanctified lives as set-apart people. I hope and pray that these five verses, that little vignette in Leviticus, who knew, has inspired us and encouraged us. But I do think there's a bit of challenge in there as well. So I know that we were drawn, as we were thinking earlier, with Dom and Richard about being special or or not being left out. I just wonder, if you were drawn to that left out example, if that relates to how you might have felt about God in the past, actually, if you feel left out by God now, God wants you to know that you are holy in his eyes. You are uniquely special to him. It's he who makes us holy. It's a once and for all sanctification through Jesus' death and resurrection, even though we do continue to mess up just like the Israelites. The Lord has forgiven and sanctified us. We have a position as God's holy people. Yahweh, Mekadishkem, the Lord has sanctified us. But it's also a process. Sanctification is an ongoing relationship, holding together what God has done in Jesus and what we must do to live a sanctified life. So here's the challenge. Are we conforming or are we being transformed? Are we living as distinctive daily disciples or are we blending in with the crowd? Are we this, nice tray, bit of bling around the edge? Or are we this? Are we set away or set apart? God is committed to our ongoing sanctification. Are we committed to him? Because it isn't just going to happen. We have to be open to be transformed by the Lord. We commit 
ourselves, our relationship to Yahweh Mekadishkim, the Lord who is sanctifying us. And it isn't going to happen either if we sort of pop our lives into segments. So there's some that we kind of give to God uh, and there's some that we don't. Um, are there any areas of our lives that we choose to keep apart from God, that setting apart means I'm, I'm keeping this bit? And it might be little bits. It might be our social media presence. It might be a relationship, a friendship, or it might be some quite significant chunks of our lives. Is, is work set apart from God? Is our family life, our friendships, our home life, our school life, is anything kind of tucked away from God? Because actually God wants to be Lord of all. And we have to allow him in to some of those less than sanctified aspects of our lives. Because if we do, they're only going to get better. They're going to be blessed. They're going to be fruitful. I wonder if we're actually keeping our whole selves back at the moment. Or maybe we've never invited him in. But actually the Lord wants to restore us. He wants to sanctify us. And we need to keep turning our hearts to him daily. And we can respond to the invitation to this passage. He says, be holy because I'm holy. Come to me. Yahweh Mekadishkin, the Lord wants to sanctify us. I gave you a badge at the beginning. I've got another one to finish. I feel I actually also need an extra badge because I have said Mekadishkin many times tonight. Patrick did it once this morning. Catherine even refused to say it. So, you know, I'm not saying anything. Anyway, can I congratulate you all? You have now all earned your sanctification badge. I'm giving you this badge to encourage you that you have all been sanctified by God. He has made us all holy once and for all. God has done the work and we are not going to lose this badge forever. But we can celebrate. Like my sneakers badge, we can celebrate earning this badge day after day as God is in a relationship with us and in the process of sanctifying us and he wants us to keep being transformed little by little in the power of his spirit. He wants us to keep revealing him to others in the way that we live. And that requires us to seek him daily ourselves, to live in the same world but not in the same way. And as we live as holy people, albeit work in progress, we are looking forward to an even greater badge, the promise of an inheritance that will never spoil or tarnish or fade, eternal holiness dwelling with God forever. And until that day, we celebrate all that God has done to set us apart and we commit to working with him to keep being transformed and being distinctive in the world to reflect him to others for his eternal glory. Amen.